Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. Here's a story for you. A story called Late Night Listening. Prior to the launch of All Places Together, I served as the solo pastor of a rural church in southwestern Virginia. And before that, I served as an associate pastor of a church in a university town in Indiana. Recently, a friend asked me if I missed being a leader of a traditional church in this season of getting ready for Christmas. And my answer was, no, I actually don't miss it. Um, I am so in love with building this community of all places together and figuring out what new stuff God is up to that I'm very happy to not be worrying the traditional pastor worries of December. But I've realized in the few days since my friend asked me this question that there is something I miss. I miss the kids. Goodness, I miss being able to talk with kids about God and hearing what they say about God, too. Children's openness in their questions, the earnestness of their love, and their voices praying and singing in worship are some of the things that I miss most. I know that many of y'all have kids, and some of you even listen to the podcast with them on occasion. If you aren't a parent, you may have siblings, friends, or neighbors with kids, and you are a regular part of the lives of those little ones. I hope that our time together on the podcast helps you understand God and your relationship with God more, so that in turn, you can talk to the kids in your life about God. I hope that they are hearing you say that God loves them wherever, whoever, and however they are. The hope that this generation can be raised with a deep level of self-acceptance and love of others is a huge reason why I do what I do. But more than just telling kids about God, I also hope that us adults are striving to listen to them, to listen to them as they tell us about God as well. One of the things that church people often say that makes me twitchy is the children and the youth are the future of the church. My standard response to this in the past has been, the children and the youth are the church now. God loves young people just as much as older people. God speaks to them, speaks through them, and their acts of love in the world are just as important as the acts of love of adults. They are the church now. I stand by all of this. However, as my relationship with the institutional church has gotten more complicated in the past year, I realize that I want to keep things open for kids in the way that they weren't kept open for me. The expectations of what it means to be a Christian and to be a part of a church that adults can put on to children can be quite heavy. And as those children grow into adults, Well, those expectations can stay with us in healthy and also unhealthy ways. 
Moreover, I think that the institutional church is going through a much-needed overhaul right now. The institutional white church in the United States has favored white privilege and white supremacy over the gospel truth that all people are created in God's image. The institutional white church got too comfortable in the 1950s and 60s as being this spiritual, social center of society, rather than equipping people to join in Jesus's work of freeing the captives, feeding the hungry, and healing the hurting. I still think God was in those places and with those people. However, I don't think that this is what organized Christians are supposed to look like. This is all to say that God loves children and youth and that God speaks to adults through them. And as adults, we would do well to listen to what their voices tell us about their experiences of God and how they want to live out God's love in the world. Oftentimes, children see things more clearly than adults do, and they are much less concerned with doing something, quote, just because we've always done it that way, unquote. Children can lead adults into more faithful and love-centered living if, we listen to them. There's a Bible story about just this. Actually, many Bible stories that we think of as being about adults are about teenagers. For example, research indicates that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a teenager when she received the news that she was going to give birth to Jesus. In fact, Mary could have been as young as 13 or 14 when she gave birth to Jesus. So when we listen to the words of Mary, we are listening to a teenager. However, that's not the story we're digging into today. Instead, we're going to continue a story that we actually read last month. Now, you may not have listened to the episode called Belonging to God, the episode about Hannah, So I'll do a recap of the story so far to help us get into the portion of the story that we'll look at today. In Old Testament times, there was a woman named Hannah who was married to a man named Elkanah. He had kids with his other wife, but not with Hannah. During her family's annual visit to the temple, Hannah fervently prayed for a child. The priest Eli tells her that God has heard her prayer and that she will have a child. And she does. Hannah gives birth to a son, and she names him Samuel. When Samuel is weaned, she gives him to the temple to be raised by Eli and to serve God. There's a lot more to the story, but that's the quickest summary I can give you. So Samuel grows up there at that temple. He learns a lot from Eli along the way. There's also some really sweet verses that tell us how Hannah would visit Samuel each year when she would come to the temple with the rest of the family, and yet she would bring him a new robe that she made with him. I just love it. It's so sweet. So Samuel ages and Samuel grows and Eli ages as well. Where we pick up the story today, Eli has now aged to the point where his body is not quite working as well as it used to. So Eli is needing to lean on Samuel, even though Samuel is not yet an adult. So now I'll read 
from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 2 to 18. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, lie down again. So Samuel went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then, then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if the voice calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel said, Here I am. Eli said, What was it that the Lord told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from all of that the Lord told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then Eli said, It is the Lord. Let God do what seems good. Here ends the reading. The tenderness and trust of this relationship between Samuel and Eli is always something that jumps out at me when I read this story. They both clearly care so much about each other. Each time that Samuel thinks that Eli is calling, gosh, he is like up and out of bed and scurrying over to Eli. And even though Eli keeps getting woken up in the middle of the night by Samuel, he doesn't get angry. In fact, Samuel needs Eli to help figure out what is going on. 
And what's going on is that God is speaking directly to Samuel in this text. Even though he is young, God knows that Samuel is ready to hear about God's plans. God doesn't go to Eli to tell Eli to tell Samuel about the plans. God goes straight to Samuel. At first, Samuel doesn't recognize God's voice. He hadn't had a direct encounter with God yet. Though this turns out to be the first of many times that God and Samuel would speak, he didn't know what to expect yet. So when Samuel hears this voice in the night, he assumes that it is Eli. Once, twice, three times. Then finally on that third time, Eli figures out what is happening. My reading on this is that Eli has likely spoken to God before and now recognizes that it is God's voice who is calling Samuel. Eli tells Samuel to say to God, speak for your servant is listening. Eli continues to teach Samuel in the ways of God, just like he had been doing for his whole life there. So in this moment, Eli teaches Samuel a way to respond to God, to show that Samuel is ready for this conversation with God. Eli uses his experience and relationship with God to help Samuel begin to understand Samuel's growing relationship with God. Samuel goes, Samuel goes and does as Eli tells him. And it turns out Eli was correct. It was God. And then God goes on to tell Samuel all of these plans that God has for how things are going to move forward in the temple. Eli's biological sons are not great faith leaders. In fact, they are dishonest and corrupt and like all over bad news. At that time, in that tradition, Eli's leadership should have passed on through his family line down to his sons. But God says, no, this isn't what's going to happen. God says that the leadership is going to be taken from Eli's sons. God doesn't yet say that it is Samuel who will be taking over that leadership. God doesn't yet say that Samuel is going to be the prophet who will help establish the monarchy of Israel. God doesn't yet say all of their hopes for Samuel. But God will in time. After hearing this message from God, Samuel is not able to go back to sleep. And goodness, I don't think I would have been able to go back to sleep either. Like he just talked to God face to face for the first time. Like that's huge. So I totally get the not sleeping. But that's not the only thing that was on his mind. Second, the message was not a good one for Eli, someone who Samuel clearly cared about. Eli functioned as Samuel's adoptive parent. I think hearing that God was going to punish Eli's family would have been very unsettling, even if Samuel understood that Eli's sons were up to no good. At first, Samuel is reluctant to tell Eli what God said to him, but Eli wants to know and convinces Samuel to tell him. So Samuel does. Samuel spills the tea. Samuel tells Eli that God is going to punish Eli's family. And Eli's response is remarkable. 
It's like what I wish every boomer would say to me when I talk about my understanding of God's vision for the church in the future. Eli says, God is God. Let God do what God thinks is best. Eli doesn't start losing it and starting to say how tradition says that his sons need to take over his priestly leadership. Eli doesn't dig his heels in and say, but we have always done it this way. Eli doesn't get into a theological debate about how these certain sacrifices should atone for the sins and the mistakes that his sons have made. Eli does none of that. Eli accepts what Samuel tells him and continues to care for and support Samuel's growth as a leader. Eli sees that God is doing a new thing. And that new path is not good news for Eli, nor is it good news for his sons. In fact, it is overall bad news for his whole family and legacy. Yet, if Eli is sad or mad about this, he does not show it at the moment. He accepts what Samuel, who is still a child at this time, has told him about God's plans. Eli is ready to continue to follow God. What a powerful message. What a powerful message for us today on several different levels. Now, I've already said how I wish boomers would respond like Eli when I talk about my understanding of where God is leading the church. And I imagine that there are plenty of people who are my age who feel that way too. But the truth is, That even at 35, I am no longer the youngest leader in the church, and I haven't been the youngest leader for quite some time. There are pastors and deacons who are younger than me. There are other lay church leaders and students who are younger than me, right? And there are youth and children who are significantly younger than me, and God is speaking to them. And though I am not old, old, I am older than these other people and these leaders, and I need to listen to them. Yes, I need to continue to share my faith and my knowledge of God with them to help them grow and understand about God. And I also need to be ready to listen to how God is speaking to them. Children have valid encounters with God. Youth have true insight into how the church can be more faithful in the world. I need to be ready to say that God is God. I need to be ready to say that I trust that God has spoken to you. And I need to be ready to follow them. And in addition to listening to those who are younger than us, I think this text also shows people with other types of privilege, privilege other than age, how to listen to those who do not have that same privilege. As a white person and a white leader in the church, I need to get out of the way to let BIPOC leaders show the way forward towards building a church and a society that truly values and celebrates all people of all races and ethnicities. As an able-bodied person, I need to listen to the disabled community as they share their experiences and lead the way in making the church and society more accessible. In all of the ways that I have privilege in the world, 
I need to get out of the way and listen to others and let them lead. If you're a man, you need to listen to women leaders. If you're straight, you need to listen to leaders from the LGBTQIA community. Wherever we have privilege, this text shows us that we need to listen to and be ready to follow those who experience oppression in that space where we experience privilege. This story about Eli and Samuel teaches us so many things. How to listen to God, how to listen to each other, how to care for one another. Samuel and Eli had a shared faith and a relationship that enabled them to be there for one another in authentic and powerful ways. Samuel helped take care of Eli as his eyesight was failing him. Eli helped Samuel understand God's call and supported Samuel in that call, even when it wasn't good news for Eli. I hope that I can learn to be a better listener and follower too. Maybe you feel the same way, that we can both listen to God and follow God better, and that we can better listen to the children, youth, and everyone who is different from us. We can listen to them better and to follow their lead in creating a more loving, just, and equitable world for all people. prayer for listening. God of all time, you speak to us in many ways, through the Bible, through nature, through other people, and sometimes directly into our hearts. Samuel and Eli show us how to listen to you and to listen to one another. Open my ears and heart so that I can hear your voice calling to me, especially through people who are younger and different from me. Grant me wisdom, grace, and compassion when I strive to help others understand more about your love and justice. And above all, let my voice be one of inclusion, affirmation, and hope for the ones who are little now. May they always know that you love them, wherever they are or wherever they will be, that you love them whoever they are or whoever they will become, and that you love them however they are, now and always. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories, we hope you heard God too. I received so much positive feedback from last week's episode. It's complicated. Thank you to Steve, Laura, Melissa, and Ashley, and everyone else who reached out to share that feedback with me. I so hope that you feel affirmed in your belovedness. And I hope that you'll continue to join with All Places Together 
to proclaim the belovedness of others. To continue to see All Places Together grow, you can give through our website. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give to All Places Together and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. If end of the year giving is part of your practice, I hope that you'll consider giving to All Places Together. Thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and people like you. As always, we remember how hard it can be to give financially. So remember that we celebrate all of the ways you share the stories of all places together with the people in your life. Please like remember that every time you message me or are interacting with a post on Facebook and like especially when you leave comments on Reels, I definitely do a happy dance. I hope this week you'll consider sharing this episode with someone who you process faith with. Who is that person that you share your big questions about God with? Who is that person that calls you to help them figure out their next big step? Share this with them and tell them that you are thankful for their friendship. Until next time, remember that God is with you wherever, whoever, and however you are.